right. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody for coming today. I want to thank everybody that is watching us on YouTube Live right now. Thank you for staying connected. If you haven't subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, please do. Uh, the reason why I'm promoting it so much is because we're going to be doing a 21-day uh, fast devotional, um, a video devotional, and you'll get email reminders through our YouTube page. If you don't know how to subscribe, go to the Welcome Center. Someone will help you subscribe, okay? Uh, man, it's going to be awesome. We've got about 15 or 16 different people that are going to be doing morning devotionals uh, to help you start out your day just, man, in the Word and in prayer. So I want to encourage you. Man, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get those devos. All right. I am holding onto an orange envelope called Miracle in Motion, and this is our year-end giving. I would just ask that you would take one of these home, uh, pray, uh, pray over it, uh, what, what God would have you give to our Miracle in Motion campaign. Basically, what this is is just uh, to further the vision and mission of Passionate Life Church. Uh, I say this, and people are like, some of you are like, why do you say that? It's because so many people are new to church here at Passionate Life Church. They don't know that we are 501c3. We are a nonprofit. And so every dollar you give, you can write it off on your taxes. Come on, give it to God instead of Uncle Sam. Do you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and, and some of you put cash in the box, and hey, I'm thankful for your cash. But if you just put your name on it, you will get, uh, you will get something in February that shows how much you gave and you can write it off on your taxes. It's not why we do it, right? We do it for God, but it's a nice side Benny. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay? And so this is just a one-time offering um, that we want to give, a year-end giving uh, to further the mission and vision of Passionate Life Church. So pick one up, pray, and, and give what God tells you to give. All right. We are in a series called I Need a miracle. I need a miracle. And my hope in this series is that it would build our expectation for what God can do. That our faith would be built and so we could see God do miracles, so we could see God do incredible healings. God has already been doing, man, last week, Man, we had a bunch of miracles happen last week. People get a healing. Uh, broken hearts healed. I mean, I don't have time to go into it, but just amazing things happened even last week. If you missed last week, go online and watch the message or, or go to iTunes. You can listen. We got a podcast now. You can listen to me while you're on the treadmill. Come on, somebody. Probably help you work out a little better. Come on. And uh, man, last week was, was, we answered this question, why do some people get miracles? Why do some people get healed and some don't? Okay. We've been talking about deep questions the last three months uh, here at Passionate Life Church. And man, you're hungry. And I've seen, we've seen just so many people growing in the things of God. And so, man, if you missed that, I went through nine things last week on the cross. What has been finished on the cross? Sin and sickness specifically have been finished on the cross. So man, if you missed last week, go online, watch it, or listen to it. Because man, I, so many of you said that this was life-changing for me um, to understand that our sins are forgiven and our sickness is healed the same way, and it's through grace, right? It's through God's good grace. And so I encourage you to watch that next week. All right, this week, this week, man, the title of this, the message today is Making Room for a Miracle. Making Room 
for a miracle. Come on, let's pray, and we'll jump right into God's word today. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for every person in this room today, God, that they are here because you have called them here. God, it is not by mistake that they're sitting in this room. God, this, this message today, God, is for every person that's here and watching us online. God, open our hearts, open our minds to your eternal word. And God, let us draw a little bit closer to you today and let us leave this place transformed and changed. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, amen and amen. We're gonna jump right into it today. Point number one, I'm going to give you the points before the scriptures today. Point number one, making room is creating space for God's presence. Making room is creating space for God's presence. We're going to talk about this story in 2 Kings today, about this unnamed woman. Uh, she, is, uh, she is described by where she lives. She lives in Shunem, and so it's called the Shunem woman. And, and so she... she Elisha, who represents the man of God, who represents the power and presence of God, he comes to her town, Shunem, once in a while. Like he drives by, he doesn't stay, maybe once a week, maybe every other week, and, and she's not satisfied with just a drive-by blessing. She isn't just satisfied whenever Elijah shows up, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once a month. She's not satisfied with just experiencing God on that level. She's not, she's not satisfied with a once experiencing God's presence and power once a month or once a week. She's like, man, I, I want it every day. I want it in my home. I want to experience the power and the presence of God every single day. So look what she does. Second Kings 4, 9 through 11. She says to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. She's talking about Elisha. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Okay, so this woman, what does she do? She, she doesn't just talk about experiencing the presence of God, right? She, she uses her own resources and she builds Elisha a room. Why? Because she wants the power and the presence of God in her life every day. Look, look, look at this. She, she, she builds a bed, right? Like, like she's putting some of her own resources and time into this room for the man of God, right? She, she's like, I, she puts a bed in there. Why? Because she wants the presence of God to rest in her home. She, she puts a table in there. Come on, I could preach a whole message on these four things. She puts a table in there so the man of God could sit there and write, she wants the word of God in her home. She puts a chair in there. Come on, she, she wants the presence of God to just relax in her home, to be present in her life. She puts a lamp. Come on, a lamp represents the fire. She wants the fire of God in her life. So she just doesn't talk about experiencing more of God. She, she doesn't talk about experiencing more of God's presence. She actually builds a room. She puts her own resources. She puts her own time to build a room for Elisha. Why? Because she's not satisfied 
with a drive-by blessing. She's just not satisfied with experiencing God once a week. She's not satisfied with experiencing the power of God once a month or once, once every other month. She's like, no, 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 I gotta have more. She's hungry, right? She's like, I gotta have more of God. I gotta have more of his presence. So I'm gonna build a room so I can experience it all the time. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went up to this upper room to rest. And so she's created what? She's created room. She's making room for God. He said to his servant, Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for her? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. So what is What's Gehazi saying here? Gehazi saying here that it is physically impossible for this woman to have a child because her husband is old and dusty. Okay, like, <laughs> like they tried, right? Like it, but wasn't happening. And 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 listen to this. Catch this. Catch this. Because this woman makes room for God in her life. She makes room for the power and the presence of God. God wants to do a miracle in her life. Why? Just because she's created space. She's created room. If we want God to move in our life, if we want to see God do miracles in our life, we have to make room for him. We have to make room. And when we make room for God, God will supernaturally begin to open up doors in your life, and you won't even have to ask him to open up doors in your life. He'll just open up doors in your life. It's like, man, the man of God's like, what can we do for her? Man, she's making space. She's making room for me. What can I do for her? Look at this next passage. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Like this was like a deepest desire of her heart. She wanted a son. She wanted a child, but she couldn't have one. Be sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah had said. Why does this happen? This happens because this woman wasn't just satisfied with, with, with just a little bit of God's presence once a week or once a month. She's like, man, I need it every day. Man, I need, I need the presence and the power of God in my life every day. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to create space. I'm going to create room for God in my life. And because she does that, God does a miracle in her life. He answers, he meets a deepest desires in her heart, even though she doesn't even ask for it. Listen, when we make room for God, when we make space for God in our life, he will open up doors in our life supernaturally. Amen? Amen. Number two, point number two, 
Again, I'm going to give you the point before the scripture. Making room starts with a broom and ends with a boom. And yes, that rhymes. Because I'm good like that. I'm making a rhyme. I want you to remember it, right? Okay, so uh, Jesus, and okay, we're going to talk about something really deep now. Okay, Jesus in Matthew verse 12, he's talking about the supernatural, okay? He's talking about the supernatural, and he's really exposing the supernatural and, and how it works. And, and listen to me today, we are not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting against principalities. We're fighting against evil spirits, that the devil is real, right? The first line of a defense for, for Satan is, is to get you to believe that he is not real, that he doesn't have demons, that he's not trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life, that he's not attacking you. That's his first line of defense. But, but Jesus shows us here, man, that, man, there's a real evil spiritual world that is attacking our lives. And, and listen to me, December 29th, man, I'm gonna preach a message. I'm fasting, and I'm gonna talk about what happens in the spiritual realm when we fast and pray, okay? Just, just put that in your calendar. It's gonna be awesome. And so Jesus shows us this. He shows us the spiritual world, okay? So let's read it. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. Jesus says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. And so there's, there's this ranking system Apparently, there's this ranking system in the demonic world in the, where, where some are more evil than other ones. So the spirit goes and gets more evil than itself, and then they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Okay. So, I got a broom. This broom, okay, represents the grace of God in our life. When we receive Jesus Christ into our life, what happens is the broom of grace comes in, right? The broom of forgiveness comes in, and the broom of forgiveness sweeps away all of our sin. Come on, we talked about grace last week. It's unmerited favor. God gives it to us even though we don't deserve it. He gives it to us anyways. And the, 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 the broom of grace comes in and sweeps clean all of our sin sweeps it all clean, and we're all clean and empty, right? Grace sweeps clean all of our sin. Now, this uh, dirt devil is going to represent the Holy Spirit, okay? When we receive Jesus Christ in our life, we also receive his Spirit the Holy Spirit. I want to read this in Luke 24, 48 through 49. This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, these are the last words that Jesus says as he's ascending into heaven. He says this, you are my witnesses for all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city, he's talking about Jerusalem, until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with what? Power. With what? Power. He fills you with power from heaven. And so Jesus says, hey, hey, don't, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. 
Because the Holy Spirit is what will give you what will give you power. Now, when we receive Jesus, we receive his spirit and we receive his Holy Spirit, okay? But the Holy Spirit needs to be active in our life, okay? Because this thing, this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us needs to have a power source. Because if the Holy Spirit isn't plugged into a power source, we look the part, but we don't live it. Right? We, we, we can look the part of a Christian. We can even say some Christianese things. Glory to God. How you doing today? God is good. All the time. All the time. All, God is good, brother. You know what I mean? Like we can... We can look the part, and, 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 but if the Holy Spirit isn't plugged into the power source, it's just laying dormant in us. And this is why we, we struggle. We, we, we can struggle with addiction. And, and, and uh, you know, I struggled with addiction, and I don't, we, we attract many people who struggle with addiction. And, and those of you that have gone to rehab the second time, you understand, Right? that it's harder the second time than the first time. That's what Jesus is talking about. Like, man, if you don't fill your life with the power of the Holy Spirit, these demons go and they get, they get other demons that are seven worse than themselves. And so, man, if we want to fight against the devil who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our lives, man, we got to be filled with power. And, and the Holy Spirit needs to be plugged in to a power source. So the first way we get plugged into the Holy Spirit, the first way we get plugged into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is active in power is through prayer. Man, when we begin to pray, the Holy Spirit is turned on. Come on. Man, when we begin to pray, and, and man, we begin to pray for our family and ourselves, come on, the Holy Spirit begins to suck up demons that are trying to attack our lives. Listen, we, we have, listen, if you want the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to pray. You have to pray. Some of you are like, man, it's so hard to pray. Why do you think it's so hard to pray? Because the devil knows when you pray, the Holy Spirit is active in sucking up demons in your life. Now, when, 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 why do you think I promote the prayer code so much? Because I know this is where the power is. Man, where two or three are gathered, Jesus is there. When two agree on anything, it is done according to God's will in heaven. Like, like there's power in the there. Jesus says, man, listen, we live in an evil generation. I know we can all agree on that. Like, we're living in this evil generation. And, and, and listen, even in the church, we need to have the power of the Holy Spirit if we want to see transformation in our life in our family, in our marriage, and we have to pray. Listen, when, when we, we begin to read the word of God, the Holy Spirit is active. It's turned on in our life because it's the word of God that convicts our life and helps us change. It's the word of God that draws us closer to Jesus. Listen, it's the word of God. 
Listen, when I get up here on Sunday, man, I pray, God, don't let, don't let it be me, God. Let it be you, because what, what are my words? Right, last week we, we talked about no matter if God heals or does a miracle, we're gonna trust him. Why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust God's word in my life. Why do you think it's so hard to read your Bible? Because the devil doesn't want you reading the word of God. Because he knows, oh man, that's when the power is turned on in your life. All of a sudden, man, you're reading scriptures on peace, and you have peace. Why do you think you want to fall asleep every time you open your Bible? Man, that is a spiritual attack on you. Because Satan doesn't want you to pray. He doesn't want you to read your Bible. Because he doesn't want you to suck up his demons in your life. And the third thing, I hope this changes the next time you vacuum your, your living room. <laughs> You'd be like, that's it. I'll, I got the Holy Spirit in me. Come on. <laughs> Vacuuming up devils right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> and the third way we turn on the power of God is staying connected to God's house. Staying connected to his house in a community of believers that you can do life with, that can encourage you. Man, that's why we promote life groups. That's why we promote serving teams. That's why we promote you coming to church, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, like man, this is where, where we come and we, we gather together and we worship. And as we're worshiping, angels are worshiping with us here in this gathering. And what worship does, it, it opens our heart to the word of God. So when I get up here and talk, you are ready to receive what God has for you. And then we have a response time where, you, man, you can go for prayer and you can invite the power and the presence in your life. Man, you can get some Holy Spirit active in your life. Amen? Come on, we, Satan does not want us to activate the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He doesn't want us to pray. He doesn't want us to read our Bible. He doesn't want us to come to church. He doesn't want us to get connected in a community group. He does not want us because he knows that's what activates the Holy Spirit. That's what activates the power of God in our lives. Amen? Number three, we talked about this a little bit last week. Our cries of desperation can move the heart of God. Our cries of desperation can move the heart of God. Uh, several, several, several years ago, I don't, I don't know, probably 15 years ago, um, I used to pray to win the lottery. I used, I used to pray, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I do too. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to give you some bad news, okay? So um, <laughs> I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would put the lottery ticket in front of me, you know, with my pencil, and I'd be like, okay, Jesus. Give me the first number. I'm just going to write down the first number you give me. Okay, 17. Okay, is that, that is 17? Is that, is that what you're giving me? Okay. Five? Okay, five. Never won. Okay, never, never won. Jesus never gave me the lottery numbers. And, and finally, finally, I was just like, God, why won't you let me win the lottery? You know, I would do so much good. 
with that money. You know, come on, you know, I would do good stuff. And, and, and uh, he goes, Andrew, you would no longer be desperate for me. You would be desperate for your money. And you would rely on your money to fix everything. You wouldn't rely on me for anything. He's like, I want to keep you desperate for me. Man, I love when you're desperate for me and you need me to come through every single day. Man, there's something powerful about the desperation that we have for God, wanting and needing him in our lives. I'm going to read a story in Mark 6, and we're going to talk, I believe, next week about the story that happens right before this, and that is Jesus feeds 5,000 men. Many scholars believe that there's 10 to 15,000 people here. Jesus feeds thousands of people with a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish, and I think we're going to talk about that next week. And so this scene that we're going to read is right after that miracle, okay? Right after that miracle, this is this scene, and I want to read it. Mark 6, 45 through 47. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted, listen, this is Jesus' instruction, okay? Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And so what is Jesus doing here? What is Jesus doing here? He's making room for God in his life. Jesus had to make room. He had to make room for God. Yes, he's fully G- yes, he's fully God, but he was also fully human. So he also had to make room for his father in his life so he could walk in the power of God. And so here we see Jesus making room. He, 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 he goes away by himself in the hills, and he prays. He's making room. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. Let's continue. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard, and struggling against the wind and waves. Jesus instructed the disciples to get in the boat, to go to the other side, and he sees that they are in serious trouble, okay? He sees that they're in serious trouble. About three o'clock in the morning, okay? So Jesus let them struggle for a really long time, okay? Like, like six hours, seven hours maybe? Like, like Jesus lets them struggle for a really long time. And he he says this, okay, Jesus came, okay, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. Do, 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 you know, just walking on water, right? Like, and and, and when we read this passage in the other gospels, we really focus on that, right? We, I mean, it's pretty awesome, right? Jesus walks on water and and Peter gets out of the boat and, and he walks on water too and the the gospel of Mark is actually, many scholars believe, is the direct experience that Peter has. And that's why Peter is left out here. He wants to talk about himself. And so when Mark's writing this, he's getting the experience of what Peter is experiencing, right? But he leaves himself out. And, and I don't know if I've just kind of drift past this phrase when I read it, or I'm just not focusing on it. But this really stuck out to me, okay? This really stuck out to me. He intended to go past them. 
So when Mark was talking to Peter, right, and Mark is writing his gospel, Peter's like, yeah, and Jesus was just going to go by us. What do you mean he was going to, yeah, he was just, just going to let us struggle in the boat. He was just going to walk on by and get to the shore and just let us struggle. Just going to let you struggle. Yes, he had no, listen, the Bible isn't lying to us, okay? The Bible doesn't contradict itself, okay? Jesus' intention was to walk by. He was not going to help them. He was going to let them figure it out in the boat, But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror. Thinking he was a ghost, they were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Let's continue, next passage. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. I'm going to suggest something to us today. And Scripture gives us a couple clues on this storm. I don't believe that this was a specifically a natural storm. I believe that this was a spiritual storm that Satan had conjured up to terrify the disciples and try to drown them. Now, a lot of these disciples were professional fishermen. They had been, they grew up on boats. Peter had his own business. He grew up on a boat. They knew how to sail. They knew how to row. They knew how to navigate the seas to get to shore. And what they are doing in this story is they are relying on their own physical ability to get past the storm. They are trying to get by on their own talent, their own discipline, their own self-control. They're trying to get through this storm on their own ability. It says, they're rowing hard. And isn't it interesting that the storm doesn't stop until they cry out to desperation in Jesus and they make room for him in the boat, right? They make room for Jesus in their boat, in their life, and what happens? The storm stops. The winds stop, rain stops, The moment they make room for Jesus in their boat, in their life, the storm stops. Maybe the struggle that you're experiencing in your life or your marriage or your family or your job isn't a physical struggle. Maybe it's not about your talent. Maybe it's not about your self-control. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe the storm that you're experiencing today is something spiritual, and you cannot overcome something spiritual with your physical ability. It's impossible. You can't. So 
So maybe today, God is saying, will you make room for me? Will you make room for me in your life? Will you make room for me in your marriage? Will you make room for me in your family? Will you make room for me in your career? Will you make room for me in your finances? Will you make room for me? Because maybe what we're struggling with today is not something physical, but something spiritual. And our physical abilities cannot overcome something that's spiritual. And God is just saying, man, invite me in. Invite me in. Come on, let me turn on the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And let me suck up that issue that you're struggling with. Let me suck up that addiction. Let me suck up that struggle, that communication issue that you're having in your marriage. Because we have to invite Jesus into the situation. We have to invite the power of the Holy Spirit into our lives. We've got to make room. We've got to make room for God. So, listen, we make room for the things that we like to do. We make room for our hobbies. We make room for TV. We make room for the computer. We make room for video games. We make room for school. We make, we make room for our job. Are we going to make room for God? See, the storm didn't stop until the moment they invited Jesus into the boat. The moment they, invite, they made room. See, this woman doesn't experience a miracle until she makes room for the power and the presence of God. Will we make room today? Will we make room today? Whatever we're struggling with, maybe it's not a physical issue. Maybe it's a spiritual one. Today's the day where we invite the power of the Holy Spirit into our situation so we can experience healing, so we can experience the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never invited Jesus into my life. So I need to do that first. Or maybe today you would say, Pastor, I, I received Jesus a long time ago, but man, the, the Holy Spirit has never been turned on. And I received him, but my life has never changed. I still struggle with the same stuff. I still struggle with the same addiction and same habits and the same, I'm essentially the same person. And so today, I want the Holy Spirit turned on in my life. I'm gonna make a commitment to prayer and read my Bible and staying connected to God's house. I would just ask that every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you fit in one of those two categories, I would just ask that you would slip up your hand. This is your personal declaration of faith today. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. And I would just ask this morning as we all repeat this prayer, as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today, dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sin, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King.
And from this day forward, I will follow you and I will live with the Holy Spirit on. And right now, I receive your power. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.